0: give you a bit of an opportunity, Jason, to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, um, and how you do it.
1: Uh, Well, yeah, I'm Jason O'Grady. I run a full-time martial arts center in Swindon, um, and we do a little bit of fitness here as well. Um, And through our center, we run a program called Rotary. Um, I've been in combat sports since the age of 14, So uh, over 30 years now, um, and it's somewhat I've liked to do uh, my entire life, uh, embraced. I've been lucky and sort of travelled the world and what I've done, uh, getting to compete in quite a lot of different countries, I suppose. So we gained a lot of experience in what we do, but all the time whilst doing it, I've just seen the positives of mainly martial arts, but other sort of combat sports. Um, do for people and it's it's something that I wanted to do for a living. So, you know, we opened up the center, run that, and then um, obviously we started this boxing program. We know we're not gonna make people Muhammad Ali over ten weeks, but what we can do is take a lot of the stuff that we've done all our life, put it down and give them a really good incentive to get themselves sort of fit. I always said it to people like uh, you could sign up for a marathon if you don't train you 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 run a slow time, but if you don't train for a boxing match you got someone punching you in the face at the end of it, so it's always a good incentive to keep them motivated. To say <laughs> that
0: makes sense. It's um, it's something I, I want to come back and double back to all of the martial arts stuff for your own career, you know, in in that and competing. Um, but it's something the the kind of um, amateur boxing scene. It for the last, I guess, two years, three years, maybe just took off. Right, the the road to glory and those sorts of shows. Um, took off and a lot of people can sign up and do a show with whichever promotion they want to do it with but there is no necessarily no incentive or no um, structure to the training so what do you guys what do you guys look for in terms of of getting people ready for that what do you do week to week
1: from a hot i mean we're looking for the right people So there's a lot of different kind of promotions out there. We're not looking for someone who's specifically just after a boxing match Mm -hmm. because there's lots of places they can go. And if that's really what they want to do, I would say amateur boxing, full stop, is where they want to be. Um, You can sign up to an amateur boxing club. You're going to learn to box properly. You're going to box for the amateurs. And then if it's something you really like, you know, it can take you to different levels and and then you can turn professional, etc. We're kind of looking for people that want to get fit or they're looking for – Somewhat life-changing to do, yeah. and um, you know the average is quite straight. The average age is normally sort of thirty-plus up to into their mid-forties as well. Of people that kind of want to, they want to do something. They need a goal. Uh, they want to kind of tick the box in box as well. Let's say it's something they've done, mm. and they're trying to look at, uh, to do it in a safe environment. Um, you know, we're happy to say we've got an excellent sort of health and safety record behind us. So we look for these guys, and we just want to put them through 10 weeks of what we think a professional boxer would go through, the training, the physical side of things, trying to get them to eat healthy, obviously with this massive goal at the end of it. And then just also like the positive outlooks that can come from doing something like this.
0: Yeah. It's, I think the sort of self mastery aspect and, you know, the self-esteem and so on, of being able to, to, to go from point A to point B in that sort of environment. And it's a very heightened environment, isn't it? When you hop into a boxing ring, it's not, like you said, it's not going for a jog and if I do a bad time, I do a bad time. It's a, it's a really intense environment, no matter whether you're in it to take it um, very seriously or to just achieve getting into the ring, it's still intense.
1: Uh, most definitely. And that's like, you know, I mean, they have got a massive goal ahead of them. And, and when people get through to that fight night, like they obviously all want to win and want to win in spectacular fashion. But us and the coaches, we just want to see someone get through that 10 weeks, get their fight night, whether they win or lose, hand raised or not, it doesn't matter. They get through their three rounds of boxing. And the feeling they'll get from doing that and the sense of achievement is amazing. And where we get to do this as a team and these people all sort of sign up together and they go through these 10 weeks of training with each other, they really do become like friends and they're doing something together that not many people sort of get to do. And they go through the whole roller coaster of emotions as well, because the physical side of things is is tough a hundred percent anyway. You know, we want to get people into the best shape that they can because come fight night, adrenaline is going to take away 50% if not more. Of everything they've done anyway and the nerves sort of sort of take in so we need them to be fit enough just to get through it but the mental side of this as well is so hard as well you can have a bad day at the office and everything's gone wrong and then you come into training you feel sluggish you do a bit of sparring with someone and they sort of keep catching you and that's when they kind of question themselves why the hell have I signed up to this <laughs> yeah and uh, being in that team and that they always become a band of brothers and sisters and they, they all just sort of build each other back up and the coach is always there we, we we have three main coaches per team anyway and then we also have like an extra five what we call entourage coaches people who have done it before so they're not boxing coaches but they've done the program before or they've been in and around the arena so they're not going to be able to teach them to be Muhammad Ali as I say but they can spot the signs or see the things that they've been through themselves yeah and sort of um, speak to someone and have a little word with them and sort of help people through that way. So yeah, people do get a massive sense of achievement out of doing something like this.
0: Yeah. I was going to say the, the guys that I know that have done amateur boxing um, and you say three rounds, it might be two minutes around, right?
1: Yep. That's correct. Um,
0: And and it sounds people are listening to this and kind of go six minutes. I could do that. Whereas actually you hop in there and I've seen people who are, in tremendous shape get in and fall apart in two minutes you know because of the like you said the adrenaline and suddenly the first shot you take is whoa that rattled me and woke me up or it didn't and there's so many things that go into that and then there's family and friends in this in the in the crowd looking at you and there's there's so many different things fitness is half of it not maybe not even um, so it's, it's I, I think i wanted to clarify that because some people will listen to that and kind of go that's nothing i'd do six minutes on the treadmill all the time so it's interesting. It's different.
1: We we had a guy called uh, Mark Fraser, and he was an ultra marathon runner. I remember when we were on about signing up, someone had told me how he'd got into battleground fitness and started running at eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, they'd gone back in at five because they forgot something, and he was still there oh. running on his treadmill. So he he was a fit guy. Yeah. And he come in and sort of like his first couple of two-minute rounds exhausted him. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I couldn't run. <laughs> I could run for an hour nowadays, let alone for eight hours like he does. But for experience, I could go and do 28 rounds on a bounce sort of sparring. But that's because that's what I know. But yeah, anyone who thinks three two-minute rounds is a piece of cake, who's never done anything before, please come in and have a go. Because this is exhausting. There's so much to think about and trying to regulate your breathing and be in the right place and not get hit and hits. It's so much more technical than people will ever understand until they have a go.
0: Yeah, no, I've got a lot of respect for it, for sure. It's something that, you know, you're in and around it and people have said to me so many times, oh, when are you gonna do one? And I'll be like, oh, what's today? No, never, Um, (laughs) I'm never doing one. Um, It's just, there's so many things that go into that and I don't don't think that's something that, that is, I've so much respect for people that can get in and do that um and of course you know like you said the the sort of fight nights and things they they do um people want the spectacular finishes so do the crowd so there's often there's a sort of thing where if it's a bit back and forward and people aren't really engaging and the nerves are t- taking over and stuff like that or people get flatlined, then you know that that creates the oohs and ahs but it's it takes so much to get in there that I would never stand and boo somebody or stand and whatever for the sake of, if you're not willing to get in there yourself, you know, it's, you never know what it's like. Um, and you can obviously speak to that. Like your
1: your background, what what martial arts are you, like what, what did you grow up doing? All sorts. I kind of, I started off in Kung Fu and the club that I went to, um, I entered competitions. Back then it was called semi-contact karate or semi-contact fighting. So like it's a little bit, point the point way to explain it is watching Karate Kid, you, you, you hit, you hit, clean score, the referees separate you, and they score, and so on. So predominantly, that's what I've done most of my life, that's the one I enjoyed the most. Um, and it sort of makes me laugh that it's called semi-contact, or people look at it as if it's quite soft. i fought full contact kickboxing, i foot fought boxing, i fought MMA, i fought K1, and I've always been fighting. And this, the semi-contact or the point fighting, I've always been hurting, because it's two bodies, and they clash. So there's no stopping each other. You're smashing into each other. Whereas when you know you're in a full contact environment, you're a little bit more aware and it's people are going to be a bit more measured on how they attack or how they attack back. But yeah, so went off on a little tangent there, but yeah, point fight was what started. And then I did taekwondo, full contact karate and then UFC blew off. So I had my little play around with jujitsu, a little bit of wrestling and so on. Uh, Had a couple of amateur MMA fights and I, Uh, enjoyed it but the stand-up game is much more where I'm sort of comfortable and stuff so mainly sort of stand-up fighting like I said I've been doing that for 30 years I started teaching myself in about 1997 just small little rented halls and so on and then just stuck with it all my life I mean some people, martial arts is a little hobby or something they do for a little while. But for me, it really was a life changing experience. And it's it, it has been my life ever since. Sort of thing. Yeah,
0: I think the um, it's grown exponentially, hasn't it? Just the whole area. And do, what do you put that down to? Is it the is it the growth of MMA? Is it like what do you think is the thing that's really kicked that on?
1: I think social media one help because obviously it's out there a lot more. People can see it. But um, I think the UFC was massively involved in it becoming so well. Like Dana White and the way that they've structured their business and they've grown MMA to be absolutely massive. It's still not equal um, in boxing, but it's not far off. If we'd gone 10 years ago, people wouldn't be able to tell you who the main fighters are now. But now 90% of people know who Conor McGregor is. Yeah. You know, he's a... Uh, a character and Absolutely. people like him well put <laughs> made, made the sport massive and, and it is almost like a household sort of thing so obviously the growth of mixed martial arts has mostly brought martial arts up on um to be out there for everybody yeah. um there, but there's not many gyms that really teach mma because obviously there's so many different aspects i think if you want to be a real good fighter you need to do your tie boxing and get your stand-up fighting, but you need to be wrestling and you need to be jujitsu. You know, it takes a pretty special gym to be able to cater for all of those aspects of the fight game for mixed martial arts. So we have people inquiring, I really want to do, I want to be a cage fighter. I was like, you need to learn to walk before you can run. Why not come in for a free session and have a go at some stand-up kickboxing and see if it's for you? If it's not, then there's plenty of other gyms in Swindon that we could point you in the right direction of where to go sort of thing so
0: yeah and and it's there's only a couple of places that do I think cover lots of disciplines like that so you could go to the same gym for your stand-up kickboxing as well as your jiu-jitsu like you said it's there's not many places so it means you're a member of six different gyms to get all of the skills you need to compete Um, And it's so different to how it it started, like UFC in terms of like, it was, we're going to put a wrestler against a taekwondo fighter. So it was two different worlds and see what comes out best. And now you can't get into that sport really, unless you've got at least proficiency in all aspects. Um, you You get exposed.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, like when it first started, I think Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was definitely the, the one most of them because they were like learning to tie people up and put them in yeah. knots. Can't punch someone when you're tied up. So uh, they it. were sort of like massive for a little while. But then everybody learns to adapt. So suddenly, right, well, I need to learn Jiu-Jitsu jiu- as well. And then they start doing that and then wrestling would stuff that. So, yeah, I think you do need to train with some top quality guys in yeah. different aspects of martial arts if yeah. you want to go down the MMA route. We, we, we've a couple of guys that have done MMA.
0: Um, Craig's one of our, our guys that we, we do the conditioning training for. And um, and I'm just, I'm amazed every time at his kind of, um, I guess is just workload the, in, in terms of being a, a, um, an MMA fighter. Because it's literally, it's 10, 12 sessions a week of this and that. And there's different things plus doing conditioning. Whereas if you're doing... Um, boxing, you can go, well, I'm going to do, obviously you're in the gym most days, but you're going to do, you might spend some time doing technical proficiency on this, followed by a spa and whatever else. It's completely different when you go, well, I've got to go full contact jujitsu. Plus I've got to do boxing. Plus I've got to do this. Plus I've got to do that every week. And, and there will be elements of your game that aren't really there because everyone starts in one discipline and then moves into other stuff. So it's, uh, I'm always amazed at the amount of stuff he's doing. Um, and of course, then you're coming on to like, are you, are you actually recovering from these sessions? Are you overtraining? Are you, there's so many things they've got to consider. Um, I'm amazed by it, but I'm I'm pleased it's finally getting, say finally for the last five or six years, at least it's getting way more traction, um, and more eyeballs on it. Now, whether that's just because of Connor and his kind of other people have filtered through because of that. Um, or if it's it's because people are starting to understand the sport a bit more and, and whatnot. But it's, um, have you watched any of the events since it's been lockdown?
1: Uh, of what's one or two, um, and it's, it's very strange listening listen to it with no sort of, uh, no crowd there and stuff. Yeah. and vicious you know, kicks and things. the corner men or the commentators talking. So uh, it must be very strange for them. But when you say there about people, it becoming more sort of forefront and people knowing about it now, Yeah, 100% agree, and that's brilliant. And it just, if you go back to, like, the fighters 10 to 20 years ago, fair play to them for having to put all that effort in for little or no money, and not much kudos either, because no one would have known who you are come for 20 years, and now, obviously, Conor McGregor's a multi-billionaire, whatever, for doing it. So it's good to see people get the recognition that they deserve for doing a, a sport like this. It's an interesting one as
0: well, because, you know they're always getting fighters shouting about money and not being paid well enough by the, by that business. And, and what, but the guys, like you said, back in the day, you know, it's, I'm not even sure if they've got any sort of grandfathered in plan to look after them as they get older. Like I know a lot of sports, if you look at, you know, you've got the PFL with the, um, sorry, PFA with the football and so on, you'll have some sort of, hopefully some sort of residual opportunity as you, as you grow older but often in fight games, you just get churned up and spat out at the end of it. And what do you do?
1: Yeah, that's very, very true. I've seen like documentaries, and you see some old school fighters, and they've not been looked after. or they, they've earned a little bit of money, but they've blown it. And then their bodies in bits from what they've put themselves through. And if at best they could be lucky to be a coach at some gym that can't really afford to pay them a great deal of money anyway. So that's it. It is, it's a tricky
0: one. So hopefully they figure something, I They were talking about a union or whatever to be able to give them some sort of pension plan or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a conversation that I think they need to have, but it's such a its such a fun sport to watch, but it's a strange one to watch with no fans. I, I've been to a, a couple of events. I went to the UFC when it was in Manchester um, and Biz Bing for, uh, he defended his title there. Um, and this, this is one that, it was me and my friend went to it and you, you go up there and had dinner and went in and so thought, we'll go in, you know, respectable time. We're not going to be there first. Um, but they changed the timing because it was a title fight. They changed the timing to suit the American audience because it was pay-per-view. So, of course, the event started at midnight in Manchester and it finished at five o'clock in the morning. We got there at seven in the evening. So <laughs> we're kind of waiting around. So the second he finished his fight, we were out the door. So it was, um, but seeing it live is incredible to see that sort of event live. But I can't imagine what it's like seeing it in an empty arena um, and the noise it makes and stuff like that. People kicking in the ribs and things. It's, yeah, frightening. You said you've been um, all over the, you're lucky enough to be all over the place in terms of uh, fighting. Where, have you, where in the world have you
1: travelled? Um, so covered most of Europe, sort of, Ireland, France, Germany, Italy. But for some reason, there was a little case where we was constantly going to Cyprus, Turkey, Greece. They seem to be getting the governing bodies. were holding the world champions there, world championships there quite often. Um, and then sort of, my last sort of abroad out outing was uh, about two years ago, and that was at ISCA World Championships in Jamaica. So yeah. that was pretty nice. I, yeah. I sort of vowed I wasn't going to really be fighting again. And then I saw they were holding the World Championships in <laughs> Jamaica. I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to try out for the England team again this Let year. Let me dust off my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and how did that go? Uh, I won. So, yeah, I was, quite, I was quite in the veteran section, I might add. But, yeah, I did. I, did, I had a pretty tough section, actually, to be fair. So I was uh, tough to get the win over there. And what discipline was that in? That was in point fighting. Okay. And, and this is where I go back to the, um, the thing of like, point fighting. A lot of people sort of deem it like a, a lesser sport because you hit and then stop getting hit. But I thought, um, I want to say Ukrainian. He might not have been Ukrainian. I can't remember. But an Eastern European guy in the semi-final. And it was like he was trying to kill me. <laughs> and that was my hardest fight to sort of get through. And it was a real close fight, but managed to get the win. Uh, and then, luckily, went on to win. And I was meant to be fighting in a full-contact discipline yeah. as well while I was over there, but I was too battered from the points fighting, so unfortunately, I had to withdraw yeah. really from that
0: section. That shows you if you if you too battered to fight on, it's not really semi-contact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's it's always I think the opportunities you get with with things like these sorts of sports to be able to go abroad and fight is is tremendous. And and I've always been um, struck by the respect between fighters. Um, I'm sure there's some behind-the-scenes bits and pieces going on, but the respect that fighters have for each other seems to be way more – and the same in boxing – way more respect for each other than there seems to be in other sports. So if you watch a football game, you know, the amount of talking back and forward between people is seems way more disrespectful than you get in fight sports.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, it's always – Instilled in you from instructors from the very beginning, you know, martial arts has always been seen as a very respectful art, a disciplined art. Um, and it's something that we especially put onto our children, just trying to teach them good manners and treat people with respect. And they're going to be treated well in class and in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to the kind of fight side of things, that you're going to have the odd fight. Everyone's kind of got a different mind. So some people... Kind of really have to dislike the person they're going to fight they need to get in this zone where they hate them to be able to put that. and some people are quite cool calm and calculated and they have no feelings whatsoever either way you train the, the hardest part of a fight anyway all the time is the fight camp yeah if you if you're in this sport the fight itself is a enjoyable <laughs> be the best bit and the result's done but the the horribleness of the fight camp when you're Tired and knackered constantly. If you're making weight, you're constantly not eating enough, and so on. And um, you just train so hard, and it's and in it's a killer. And then it becomes the fight day, and then you get to do the bit that you've been training for. And if it's a, one of these crazy hard fights, as soon as it's over, winning is obviously always a lot better. But even losing, it's kind of like whew, it's done. Yeah. And then most of the times, you're both going to hug it out because you've just been through. Eight, 10, 12 weeks, depending on your fight camp, of hard work. You've just been through that 12-minute fight, uh, 12 rounds, or five, five-minute rounds, et cetera, and it's been hard, and it's all over, and that sets a release off, it's over. Hopefully, you've won. But either way, you're going to hug it out. And, you know, there's not even some of the really bad rivalries, you'll see them at the end. And as soon as that fight's done, and the bell's done, and the decision's done, all those bad feelings, all those ill feelings are gone. Yeah. And, they're, and they just got that mutual respect for each other because you've both stood there mano to mano and juked it out, as they say.
0: That's the interesting thing you see in, in, in things like um, big rivalries that have two or three fights and the respect they have straight after a fight. And then it might get announced they have a rematch and then they suddenly go back into hate each other mode. And it's that's always... I always think that's quite a tough sell, but I see why it happens. I see why... You know, you two are the only two people there that have gone through this difficult journey to get to that position where you're fighting. You're going to have that mutual respect. You've obviously got a lot of adrenaline and feelings going. But then, you know, business is business. When you get back to signing the contract and going again, you're going to have those same ill feelings at times. So it's, I've always been struck by that. But it's always nice to see when, you know, you've seen some of the bad blood in in uh, in sort of sports rivalries, fighting rivalries. And then, you know, the fact that they can put it all behind them at the end is always nice.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is good to see. Who
0: would you, uh, I know they've only just really announced this and there's no dates for it. Who would you have, uh, Joshua against Fury?
1: So I changed my mind on this so much. You know, I used to be a massive Joshua fan. He was the kind of the ideal person you want to see boxing. He keeps himself healthy, keeps himself fit and in shape he says all the right things, he's always seemed so respectful. And then you've got Tyson Fury, who in the past was a complete idiot. Yeah. You know, the, the wearing of the Batman suit at a, yeah. a press conference and stuff. And I was kind of really just so against him. And then watching him turn his life around after like the depression and stuff. And then you, you listen to him talk, I think I listened to him on the Joe Rogan podcast, yeah. another podcast, and you get into his mind. And now I've got a whole new sort of world of respect for him. And watching how he fought Wilder and how he got back up and still sort of finished that round the stronger, I, I was always, it would be AJ here and Tyson here. I think I've flipped. So yeah. now I think Tyson can, can outbox AJ.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting because, again, it's how many people look at that. And I think forever have looked at it as, well, you know, AJ's in such great shape um you know all that kind of stuff and, and obviously between fights especially with klitschko fights tyson really wasn't um so you look at look at that but again with andy ruiz you see the same situation and looking at it again well, there's no way he can beat aj because he's this chiseled you know unbelievable shape but it's not it's not always about that it's about skill and will and all the rest of it and i, I listened to the same podcast the joe rogan one with um with tyson i was really struck by it um Because I've never heard him speak like that. I've never heard the real story behind it. Um, And I found it really interesting to know what exactly was going on with him. Um, And it is inspirational. And I think it's really inspirational for athletes of that stature to discuss those things.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, you think someone at that level as well, they're always just going to be surrounded by yes-men and just let them kind of rule the roost. tell them they're going to be the best, let them do the training they're not the ones that put themselves on the line yeah. and they're the ones who have taken probably decent paychecks for not having to do quite as much. So um, for someone like him to come out and sort of say it as it is, it's like, yeah, fair play to him. Cause that's quite brave on it. You yeah. know, a braver thing to do in itself. Yeah, it is.
0: And I think it's, it's good. It's a good thing that um, Wilder stepped aside as well, because he quite easily could have done the third fight, taken a load of money, Um, to do the third fight and got in the way of that which means we're two years down the road before we see AJ and uh, Fury so I think that's good as well he's 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 stepped aside for I'm sure I don't know if he got paid to step aside for it but he you know he definitely got out of the way
1: you don't know and I don't think he's in a rush to want to fight Tyson again you know he's lost to him twice really even though it wasn't a loss the first time he has kind of in my mind lost to him twice so he's he's got a lot to overcome yeah Uh, but both both guys have got to get through the fight as they got in front of First as well because they've got to fight each first, I believe.
0: Yeah, I I I think is it um, is
1: it Pulev? Yep. That AJ's got a fight. Who's uh, Tyson got a fight? I couldn't tell you, Tyson. I'd have to I'd have to research yeah. properly. But yeah, Pulev is definitely got. To, uh, so AJ's definitely got to get through him first, and that's no walkover. Everyone expects him to, yeah, and he yeah. probably will. But it's not a sort of walkover. But hopefully, he does, yeah. and then everyone gets to see what they want to see as a big British clash between. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And AJ. I, saw, I saw a thing on uh, <clears throat> on Instagram saying, "I wonder where it'll be. It could be in America or whatever." Yeah, you know, surely. Why would it? It was got to be in Wembley or somewhere, right?
1: You'd think so. You hope some like money talks, and um, they, a lot keeps going over the sort of Saudi Arabia, and I know Dubai, mm. are kind of trying to get that sort of thing over there. So it all depends. But unfortunately, I think it'll be money wins the toss as opposed to the British fans win the toss and being yeah. able to watch it at Wembley or somewhere. Yeah. Like that. Um. So
0: coming back to um, to your shows, when it comes to Road to Glory, what what sort of thing goes into creating? that sort of a show and putting that show on? Because obviously you need to think about not only matchups, but then you also have to think about um, health and safety and paramedics and all that kind of stuff. It's like, what sort of planning goes into putting a show like that together? A lot. <laughs> <You> know, imagine.
1: <laughs> a hell of a lot. It's uh, Even from a coach, I think sometimes they think, oh, right, we just turn up on this day and there's all these people here ready to fight. Unfortunately for me, I'm the one sort of behind closed doors, constantly trying to get people to sign up. Mm-hmm. That's the hard, one of the hardest things because it is such a daunting thing. You know, you could, like I said, we, you can do a marathon or Tough mother. You don't have to get in the ring at the end of the day. So I'm out there looking for people that want this kind of challenge. OK, so getting people to believe and trust in us that we can get them through this program. And then once we, we get them, obviously, we go through this 10 weeks. And one of the biggest nights is sort of welcome night. And we want to let them come in. Obviously they have a medical, so we do their weight, blood pressure, um, a brief sort of medical check to make sure everyone's sort of fit and healthy to fight. And then we do like a, a pretty hard fitness test to let them know what they've let themselves in for. Yeah. And then as the weeks progress, we always like the first two weeks really is all just really very basic boxing techniques and a lot of fitness. For me at this level, we're not gonna create amazing boxers. What I want them to do is the basics very well and get them as fit as possible so that they can continue to do the basics very well over two rounds. Um, The the good thing about this programme, so I'm not slating any other white collar shows or any other boxing shows, but a lot of the time until someone's known, all they have is a name, someone's weight, and a possible record that they hold. And yeah. that doesn't mean that Joe Bloggs at 80 kilos fighting Stephen Jones at 80 kilos is going to be a brilliant match. What no. we have is hindsight. We get to see these guys sparring for six weeks before we even need to make a match. And um, it takes a little bit of doing, but we, uh, the coaches are constantly... So we have free rings on the go when we do our sparring sessions and everyone else is sort of being coached by the other coaches we have sort of two coaches per ring and they're watching everyone and we just finally whittle it down until we get what we think are the safest matches that can be made uh and then the remaining four weeks go into the fight and we always do tell contenders especially females because we we don't get as many females involved as we do males that we can never 100% guarantee them a fight at the end of the program yeah if they're if we get the guys boxing and there's just someone that's not, they're not getting the right weight uh, match or just not a match that's safe, then we won't put it on just for, to sell tickets because it's not safe. You know, we, we want to continue this program for years and years to come. And if people come to our shows and see some poor bloke being thrown to the lions and getting his head beaten, in, mm-hmm. we're not going to sort of be able to progress. And then also it's a fight at the end of the day and their safety is paramount for us. So we do have situations where if they don't get that safe match, then we can go to other clubs where we trust the coaches to give us someone of a like uh, ability, Or worst case scenario, if they want to, then they can have an exhibition bout against one of the coaches. Mm-hmm. So they still get to throw level for, for three, two-minute rounds. And the coach is clever enough to sort of take not much punishment, but still make them work their backsides off. Yeah. Excuse me, for two minutes. Luckily, touch wood, it's never happened yet. And we've um, managed to get it to, uh, to always work. Now, while all the 10 weeks of this is going on and they're training and they're coaching and getting the matches made, then we're also setting up a venue, making sure we've got rings, making sure we've got paramedics booked for the night uh, and just all the insurances and everything else that goes on with a, a big event like this. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of hard work, but it's always worth it at the end when you see, um, like the first season we ever did, and we went through this journey because it was obviously their first time. But it was our first time as coaches. And I'll put my hand up and say, after everyone had the fights and um, it was like a crazy night of excitement. And then after, no one, most people, if they've taken it seriously, they've not touched a drop of alcohol for 10 weeks. Yeah. And at the end of it, everyone's hugging. And then we go out and have an almighty party after. Mm-hmm. And I remember waking up the next morning and obviously I was red team then, so we won. <laughs> and... Uh, I remember waking up and having tears in my eyes, right? Yeah. And just so joyed for all these guys that had done this thing for the first time and and, and wins or lose, it doesn't matter. It's it was massive. It was very emotional. It's good.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a tremendous
0: feeling when you and you achieve something and you realize, you know, like you said, that the, the primary thing is getting people to achieve something and to to get fit and in, and ready to do something. It is very intense. So it is a big ask of people, but it's also a really massive, overwhelming at times achievement for people who probably have spent a lot of their time sedentary, um, thinking, "Well, that's never going to be me," and then they've done it. So it's 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 for you guys. It's r- super rewarding.
1: It, it, yeah, massively. We've had, you know, um, people. Look, I mean, there's somebody who I sort of signed up who was an old school friend, and sort of I'd watched him get wider over the years (laughs) and uh and then he signed up and i was quite sort of shocked and but he went from being someone that went to work and went home and probably had a bottle of wine and a couple of cans of beer every night to continuously training and four or five years later he's still now in a an active and healthy lifestyle you know we've had there's been some larger people sign up so they've got a bit more timber to lose but we've had someone sort of lose two and a half to three stone over this 10 weeks now we're not saying someone of not a great bigger size would lose that not everyone's going to lose that amount you know it's a little bit easier for him to to lose that amount but he's also stayed on the fitness journey and obviously the weight loss is not so big at the moment but the weight is still slowly coming off and he's I think he's on his 10 stone mark now he's lost in total over a period of like three or four years and then there's the other side of it some people do it as a goal to raise sort of charity for so I think We've raised over £30,000 now over our shows for, chari- for, like, for local charities as well, which is quite nice. That's amazing. And um, we, we've definitely changed some lives along the way, which is one of the, the greatest things that come out of yeah. this.
0: Yeah. And you can presume, presumably, I can only do this once. Or I can do more. Uh,
1: we, we, it used to be you could only do it once, but we had so many contenders wanting to come back or they wanted to fight on other white collar shows. Um, And sometimes there was just not the correct matches out there for them. So then we kind of got together and thought, well, what about we let someone do this twice? And if we've got two contenders that we know we've seen them all work before now uh, and we know they're going to sort of match each other. Why not bring them into the program and let them have a second bout bout at the cherry uh, bite the cherry? And. But it can still change because sometimes we we'll do we watch that sparring and you think well those two would have been a brilliant match but they start sparring and they're not they're not that good or mm-hmm. it just the fight doesn't match. But someone who's come in and is actually quite fit and maybe been working hard or done a little bit of boxing training but never had a bout before matches better yeah. and we let that go and then we let um, we let people come in for a third time. There's only a couple of people that have done this. And if they've done Road to Glory twice, they're allowed to sort of call someone out. And wow. as long as the weights work, and then we put on like a novice title belt for them. So it just makes it a little bit more of yeah. an And they get their third fight in a bout and about, and that's it, the road stops to them, for them in yeah. the Road to Glory. But if they want to carry on boxing outside, obviously some we still do in our gym anyway, and we'll, we'll always help people if they're sort of willing to come in and do the hard work. Yeah, that's fantastic. And... What I was going to ask you
0: in terms of um, matchups, you said about weight. Um, there's two questions really on this one. Is uh, do you do you stipulate a fight weight um, in terms of they have a a bit of leeway? There might be eighty kilos, or they might have to stay under eighty kilos, or whatever. And also, how do you feel about weight cut in
1: in uh, fight sports? So the first one I go on in terms of road to glory, I kind of go on. In kickboxing, I've always, always fought within a five or 10 kilo range. Okay. So we try and keep it to like within five kilos of each other. Now, if we see two people sparring that may have sort of 10 kilos different, but the heavier guys may be 10, 15 years older and not quite as good as the younger guys, if it still looks like it's pretty safe, then, then we're going to let it go ahead. Our referee is always. The hard thing for some of the contenders, our referees always, this is their first time, and he's always going to be very hard on them. Mm-hmm. So some boxers, you might see American referees let someone get beat to, God knows what, over 12 rounds. Our referees, if you're getting punches, like 10, 15 punches unanswered, whether they're killer punches or they're just, they're just touching, he's going to stop, he's going to let you know, he's going to give you an eight count. He's there first, to keep the fighter safe. And yeah. we would rather make your boy moan at us for 10 weeks solid, going, I could have carried on, I could have won that fight, than have his family moan at us because he's injured. So that's where it stops for us. And then where it comes into to weight cuts in sort of professional fighting, I think it really, really needs to change. I think, you know, especially, I think, I don't know how bad it is in boxing or they cover it a lot better, but most, 100% in the UFC, you see some of the weight cuts that they do. They have a day to recover. You know, there are people completely drained of all fluids, and then they're like actually hydrating with a drip mm-hmm. to be able to fight the next day. And then whenever you hear of kind of bad injuries in these sports, ninety-nine percent of the time it's because they've had a fight camp with a bad cu- a weight cut. Yeah, and uh, I think the associations should be there should be more owners put on them and not to sort of get these fighters to, 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 to fight more naturally at their weight. If they stop everyone, then there's no need to cut sort of weight. I used to fight sort of 79 kilos was my sort of market and I'd walk around at sort of eight three kilos. So three yeah. kilos was not much of a weight cut. But you hear these guys fighting 14, 15 kilos below their weight. Yeah. And it's a lot to deplete themselves through every time. Whereas if they just fought within a five kilo range of their natural walking around body weight, I think there'd be a lot less accidents and injuries in the sport. I'm with you. And I think there is one,
0: I forget the name of the organization, but there is one um, mixed martial arts one, a big organization. That I think they do hydration tests um, for this. And if, they, if you show any sign of dehydration past a certain point, clearly you're not meant to fight at this weight. So they don't let you. So you have to pass a hydration test the day of the fight to show that you haven't been extremely weight cutting. And I think that's a really good way to do things because um, that's the first thing to go. And it's one of the hardest things to, to do is to rehydrate enough to be sort of ready to actually go. Um, and realistically, if, if we're both walking around at 83 and we drop down to 75, and we're 82 on the day, what's the point?
1: Uh, yeah. Exactly. There's no yeah. need. So yeah. She's it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's, a great thing to do. It's, it's, I think it's, that's it's, one championships say again I think that's one championships in Japan that you're talking yeah. about but do the hydration test yeah yeah and I, I yeah 100% agree with you I just why, why lose all that weight and then put it on the next day and sort of put your body through such tough uh, extreme measures yeah and just sort of find but like I say it goes back to the governing bodies they've got to be they've got to kind of stamp it out as well because if I, I've Fought at a lower weight once, and I remember having a a, a bad weight cut, and I it was just it was everything was horrible. And then I remember the night of fighting, and my head was telling me to do all this, and my body just did not respond. And it was in front of a massive crowd as well, and I got my ass kicked basically. Mm. And it was a massive lesson learned. It's just I'm just going to fight. This is this is what I weigh. I want to be 100 percent at this weight, rather than a lesser version of myself at a lighter weight. It's just. Seems, seems crazy. So yeah, definitely needs to change. I think I couldn't agree more. What I was going to ask you about was
0: have you, in terms of like the multimedia age that we're in now, um, I'd be really interested personally in a fly on the wall kind of vision of what happens on the road to glory. So behind the scenes, have you ever, have you thought about having like a videographer do some element of, of like a documentary series almost of that whole process?
1: Uh, yeah it's it's something that it was um, definitely on our thoughts uh, definitely in our mind it's probably trying to find the right people to do it when i was in jamaica funnily enough um, there was another guy he was he's um, sort of big into his he's like an, an extra and a stunt man in a lot of films and stuff around the uk he's like a, he does all the, the flying somersaulty kicks so to speak and he that's is, a technical term yeah that's a technical term yeah <laughs> okay and he's um he's big in with uh, I think it's only Bristol TV but he's just he's just wrote his own film he's he's done some stuff and he was talking about maybe trying to get us on a lower level TV channel like that to start with so mm-hmm. it's definitely in the pipeline it's definitely something we want to do uh if we can't get it as high as that then you know it's definitely something we did want uh, we did go to start to sort of try and film the last season uh but I've not stepped back enough myself. So I'm t- trying to oversee everything. I'm, I'm a bit of a control freak and, I, and it's taken me a long time to learn to to step away and let others do what I think I'm the only one that can do. And yeah, so yeah. that's a massive learning curve for me. But yeah, no, 100% it's definitely something we'd like to do because I think it'd be really interesting to see what these people go through. What yeah. I love is we've had a couple of people sign up to Road to Glory and they've literally watched the fight, got drunk and said, I could do that. And we have so many people sign up, to say that, and then we ring them the next day and they're like, oh no, uh, my my grand's got a party that night and I yeah. can't do it. But one or two of them will say, yeah, no, I did sign up for it like that. He goes, but I'll put my money where my mouth is and, and sort of have a go sort of thing. Yeah. So. Well, I think it would be really interesting. I think you'd have so many people
0: either make their decision to or not to join that sort of process, having seen you know, the, the, the almost the. Um, the development of the intensity as you go through. And I'd be fascinated to watch it. And just to see, you know, it, could, you know, whatever. It could be talking to camera and then cut to a bit of action. And I think it would be fascinating to watch that. Um, do you have a lot of people that, that join up and drop out?
1: And how do you manage that process? So our dropout rate is low, uh, but every season's different. So I think our worst season, we had sort of six people drop out, which was quite, terrible know. for us it was a real pain and we have to just sort of keep juggling around so that season i think we were really lucky that we had loads of people kind of around the 80 kilo marks and what i would call sort of middle to light heavyweight mark so when they were dropping out they were quite easy to put back in had it been had they all been of different sizes and stuff it would have been a real sort of pain in the back so so that's how we got round it that way and we had one person come in from another gym uh from whitney so Obviously, luckily, I've been lucky enough to make a great network of friends and coaches that I know, like, and trust that mm. will put in someone that if I ask for someone at this weight and they're a novice, they will give me someone at that weight and they are a novice. Yeah. So that's kind of how we get around that. Um, but yeah, you do get the dropouts. Luckily, when we do they're quite early, you know, we've had a couple of people drop out on welcome night. Like I said, we put a hard fitness session in for them to let them know what they've let themselves in for. They know how hard it is. And if they don't come back after the first session, then we're quite lucky that we've still got nine, nine and a half weeks to still work with people. Yeah. Um, and and it, the interesting thing is, is that hard session we put on the first night, none of them believe us, but we'll tell them, look, this is going to be a gentle warm up to you by the end of this program. And they're like, no, no, no. And then it comes to the end of the program because as they get fitter, they think it's going to get easier, but it doesn't because we just make it harder. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, but Their recovery time is the thing that you'll notice come down quite quickly. And they, they don't notice. And I think the documentary would be amazing for them. I mean, they know it and they see it, but to physically see themselves change over that 10 weeks of someone who could, couldn't do two burpees on day one is smashing out sort of 50 burpees or yeah. doing a Spartan challenge at the end. It, I think it's you know, a great thing.
0: Yeah, I think it's a winner to get that going for sure. Final thing I want to ask you is, do you think there's any room or is it too technically difficult with all the different skills you'd have to learn to do something like this with a martial art?
1: My personal view is no, it's too, there's too, too, much, too many extremities involved. Mm-hmm. So I've got a friend who runs a club for me in Oxford and they're really interested to put on a road to glory for just kickboxing. Sure. So that's as closest difference I would go. With boxing, you know, it's, there's not as much to learn. As soon as you throw the kicks in there, there's, there's extra work. And obviously, it's easier for us to do background checks on if people have boxed before, if they've had fights before, especially with social media like it is as well, but also just checking amateur records, etc. But when it comes to kickboxing, it's such a bigger, wider scope so or someone could have been because we if someone's been doing boxing training for five years but they've never stepped in the ring Mm. we're still allowing to do road to glory because they've not they've not done the the big thing that makes the difference and that's stepping in the ring but if someone's done 10 20 years of martial art or even five years of martial arts and then someone who's done nothing step in they're going to know the technique on how to throw a kick properly and you're not going to be able to catch that up in 10 weeks or if you're way fitter than them, you're still not going to get the the distance that you need to know and stuff from them and then when it comes to MMA I just think that's a 100% no-no because it would easy, you know if I trained in another town maybe I'd come from up north to down south I could be a black belt in jiu-jitsu up there but come down here and I don't know why people do this, because we have had people try to do it, like pretend they've never done anything for before, but they, they quite clearly have. And so if they win a fight that way, for me there's no no goal in that. But someone could make out they've never done jujitsu before, and then comes fight night and they win in ten seconds via arm bar because yeah. they know exactly what they're doing, it'd be too easy for people to say they've done nothing. I think it's just too many variants awesome.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's something that actually, you know, the guys that we've trained or worked with in the MMA space have said the same thing. They've they've been approached by people to say, "Could you put a show on similar?" And their immediate response every time is, "No, absolutely not," um, because there's just so much that that you you can you can grasp some basic techniques in certain things in 10 weeks, but but when it comes to learning the basics of jujitsu plus kickboxing plus boxing plus wrestling. There's too many things. You're gonna spend a week on each discipline. So it's too much.
1: Um, It'd be but, amazing if you could do it. I think it yeah. would make a brilliant show. Absolutely. But there is just too much involved, unfortunately. Yeah. There's some great amateur
0: shows uh, and, and amateur and pro shows in, uh, in local MMA, which, which I think is uh, is interesting because it shows the popularity increase. Um, and it's great to go and watch those because again, people that take it seriously, you you can see You know, all of the things that you're going to see in the UFC, obviously it's not the same level, but you see all of those disciplines and when you watch it and you can recognize it, it's quite a, it's a fun sport to watch because you can see the intricacies that go into it and how they might be setting them up for two moves down the road and things like that. It's really fascinating to watch when you know what you're looking at.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was a typical, when I first saw the UFC come out and it was any weight fight, it just looked like two people rolling around, yeah and then I step into my first jujitsu class, and someone's rolling around and tying me in a knot, and I'm like, "Wow!" Yeah. And it's soon, like you say, as soon as you've got a little bit of knowledge, and you can, you can watch that, it is nice to say. But your normal sort of Joe public kind of just want to see the stand-up fighters yeah. and the boxers and knockouts. They're not gonna appreciate always someone pulling out some awesome sort of daft joke or etcetera in the jiu-jitsu yeah. term. But yeah. once you like say once you've got a bit of knowledge, it's nice to see a fight suddenly go to the ground and watching two people, especially when you get two great ground fighters fight each other. Yeah. They kind of normally turn into a stand up war instead because they kind of checkmate each other as soon as it great. gets to the ground. But if yeah. one of them does suddenly pull someone off and they, they take everyone out, it's always like uh, fair play, he's 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 got the upper hand there.
0: Yeah. Somebody like you know Damien Meyer yeah it's just you know what's coming you know it's a case of i want you on the floor so that i can do what i do and it's every other fighter is just trying to get away from that it's fascinating to watch that but if you get someone who's proficient down there as well it's great to see that um those go against each other It's like you said it's a bit like a chess match
1: yeah 100%.
0: um jason i'm going to get you out of here but thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it and i hope people get to listen to this and um if people are looking to sign up to road to glory i know it's difficult at this time uh, to know when the next one's going to be but how do they
1: get hold of you for that so normally we if you're on facebook our facebook page is road to glory boxing Swindon, um or our website is road to dot com